You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 228. I got to hang out with Susan Verde. She is a children's book author with a new book out for adults. You might know her from the I Am series. That's what I know her from. We have her books. I love them. And it was so exciting to get to chat with her about what does this look like for adults? And her book, Say One Kind Thing, is really about nurturing that inner voice within ourselves that I don't know about you, but like, gosh, I'm so good at letting that part of me show up that's like, Alyssa, you're not enough. You're not doing enough X, Y, and Z. And really leaning into kindness. How do we treat ourselves with kindness? I'm so excited for y'all to snag her new book, Say One Kind Thing, and dive into this conversation with us. Before we dive in, I have an incredibly exciting announcement. Pre-orders for my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, are open. Y'all, you can go and snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions pre-order. If you go to seedandso.org slash book, there are different retailers that have it available right now. And then come back to that page and let us know that you snagged it with your order number and we'll send you some goodies right away and then more surprise goodies for our pre-order crew to come. I just can't stop dreaming about living in an emotionally intelligent world and seeing all of you snag this book already is filling me with so much hope for that dream. Head on over seedandso.org slash book and snag tiny humans, big emotions now. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with Susan Verde. Susan is an author, and she's written a bunch of kids' books that you might be familiar with. The I Am series, New York Times bestselling, casual, Susan, casual. Um, And she teaches yoga and works on social emotional awareness, which you know is our jam over here. But Susan, coming in hot with an adult book, Say One Kind Thing. Susan, I'm excited to dive into this. What uh, what led you into doing an adult book? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having Mm -hmm. me on. I love everything you do. It's like, it feels like we're just connected. You know, it's all that wonderful stuff. Um, Adult books, yeah. So, (laughs) you know, it was interesting because I, as I was doing this I Am series and I was talking to kids and visiting schools and all that about, you know, caring for yourself, loving loving yourself, um, having the tools to accept yourself and take care of yourself. So then you can sort of take care of the world and the people around you. You know, I would get questions from kids saying things like, well, are you always mindful or are you, you know, do you ever yell or do you, and of course, you know, the answer is no, I'm not always mindful. And yes, sometimes I do yell. Um, And I, it sort of got me thinking 
like how how did I get here to this place where I feel like I can share this stuff with the little ones? And because I have a lot of parents who also reach out to me, um, I also wanted to sort of talk about you know what that looks like. And it's really, I really just wanted to be open and vulnerable in a way I couldn't with the kids' books, but sort of get to the core of the same ideas and how I arrived there and how I'm still working on these things, you know, so I could feel more authentic. Yeah, totally. So the, the I guess, goal with say one kind thing is to take that I Am series and, and bring it into like, what does this look like in the adult work? Yeah. Yeah, well, that was sort of the general sweet. idea. Yeah. Um, and I I mean, I, I love the whole message of the book and the idea that like we are worthy and that these words need to become our story. And I what is as you were writing this, I'm curious like what that process was. You know, we were just talking about how we have tiny humans, big emotions coming out in the fall too. And the process of writing, I was like, all right, this, like, it was like a reminder to myself as I was going through it. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, bring that into parenthood right now. Lessa, you could really lean on this part, right? Like it was my own little thing. I needed it. Um, what was that like as you were writing this to yourself? Yeah, I think it was kind of very similar. Um, you know, it was, it was a different process because when you're writing children's books, it almost feels like even though there's the writing and the illustrating and we're not having these, you know, the illustrator and I are not having these major conversations, it still always feels like there's this collaboration going on and you've got all these people behind you. And for this one, it was no, I had to, you know, get up and write every day. And I was the only one who could hold myself accountable. I mean, I had deadlines and things, but other than that, nobody's you know checking in on me. Um, so that was different. But also, like you said, there were points during the writing where I was like, oh, right. I experienced this, or I need to remember this, or, you know, and there were even points where I kind of stopped myself from writing because I thought, oh, wow, I'm I'm sharing a lot of things. Um, and do I really want to go this deep? Mm-hmm. And so there, there, you know, there were moments where I, I had to talk to myself and say, you know what, if you're, if you're not going to go this deep, if you're not going to be that open, then what, what is the point? You've just got to keep going. So yeah, it was an interesting process. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I found myself, I think one of the hardest things for me is how do I write this story as my story when it involves other people, right? Like that's challenging for me, um, even on social or just like having a brand of like, how can I share my story while being mindful of other people's privacy? (laughs) It's always a challenge. Yes. Um, that was a big piece. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge because we are social beings and we aren't, we don't, live solo on this planet I feel like I need I just need this book as like an everyday thing that I read because I being kinder to myself is something that would be such a lovely gift to give (laughs) I live often in a world of I'm not doing enough I'm not enough in this area or it feels like I'm juggling all of these balls and some of them are going to fall right and when they fall the narrative in my head is all often like because you weren't doing enough right like if you would have gotten up earlier and then moved your body and taken care of yourself then you would feel different in the morning and like 
or, you know, if I would have put more attention on my child who needed my attention in the moment when I'm trying to cook dinner and get things ready after school, right? Like it feels like there's so much pulling at me all the time that having that grace and saying one kind thing to myself about myself feels like it would be so powerful. But what does that journey look like to being kinder to yourself? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I can, I, I, I just feel you so much on everything you just said. It's, and I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to write this down and, and, and just to make the point that it's not a, it's not a how-to, it's not a you should, it's not this is how you're going to solve all your problems and love yourself and whatever. It's really just my experience that hopefully will allow someone else in to be, you know, feel seen and heard. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I, that inner voice that says you're not doing enough. And I think especially as a parent, just because there's that additional thing you're juggling and it's someone else's well-being and you know you're trying to be so careful about what you say and what what you show and what you do and and it's just very overwhelming and sometimes we lose it and sometimes you know we can't hold it together and i think there is always that you know it's because you weren't doing this or it's because you can't do this or it's because you're not good at this or you know and just the practice of saying one kind thing or even not saying one mean thing, you know, <laughs> um, if you are standing in front of your child and you're doing something that you feel was a mistake or an error or whatever, instead of out loud saying, oh, I'm such a, you know, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a jerk. I mean, they, they hear that and that becomes the way they learn how to respond to themselves. Um, so even just not saying that, you know, if you can't find that kind thing, don't say that mean thing. Um, but it's just, it's a process. It's a journey. And just reminding yourself that you can say one kind thing. You, you, you have the words, uh, even if it doesn't feel completely genuine at the moment, it's there. And it's just one of those things that the more you practice, the faster you reach for it. But in reality, you know, we're, we're all human and part of our humanness is not being able to find those good words all the time. So there's also that piece that's like forgiving yourself for not being nice to yourself. That's also a kindness, you know? So yeah, that's sort of what it, what it looks like. When we're looking at this, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to reach for one kind thing here. What might that sound like in the moment? In the moment, it can be yeah. as simple as I'm I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. Human. Um, my intention is love. Mm-hmm. What you know, that's enough. Um, I am enough. I can learn. A- a- any one of those sort of mantra-y things you can grab for, you know, just I'm gonna give myself a breath, like that little bit of self-care. That's one kind thing, you know. So you really can reach for anything that comes to mind that is a good thing. It's 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 not like there's a specific script you need to go for or anything like that. But in the moment, it could just be deep breath. I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. I need a moment for myself. I'm okay. I'm enough. In this moment, I'm safe. You know, that kind of thing. Just, yeah. just. I think it's it's helpful for me to have those scripts, even if it's not like 
my authentic voice in the moment, words are so powerful, right? And like, agreed. the narrative that's going over my head has been there for a long time. <laughs> and sometimes I need a new one. And sometimes like having scripts to pull from is key to me being able to access that in the moment. Um, let's talk I'm about- I'm a big uh, yeah, post person. So I, I love that kind of thing. I mean, that for me personally, I love it. Even, even when, it, like you said, it doesn't feel like my authentic voice. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I can turn and look and say, oh, right. Okay. You know, I'm enough. I'm yeah. okay. Like, and just that little shift can make a big difference. I I taught early childhood for a while. And in my classroom, I had a sticky note that was in all of my classrooms and it was just for me. And it just read, they're not trying to piss you off. They need help. And I needed that reminder, right? Yeah. Like 7 billion times a day, I needed that reminder when they're staring you in the face and they're doing the thing they not, they're not supposed to do, et cetera. Like, I love that. I'm here for sticky notes. With spring on the horizon, but not quite here yet in Vermont, I've been looking for simple ways to give my body the energy boost it needs and keep up with healthy habits, especially on those tired mornings when I'm just feeling drained. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel more energized and ready to take on the day. It's a morning ritual that gives me peace of mind and then I'm getting comprehensive nutrition that supports my immune system and keeps me going all day. As a parent of two amazing kids, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so that I can continue to show up for the moments that matter. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm jazzed to welcome them as a new sponsor. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com village. That's drinkag1.com village. Check it out. I am loving ready-to-eat meals in this season of life. Things are just really busy over here with a toddler and a newborn, and I don't always want to be focusing on meal planning and ordering groceries. Factors, fresh, never-frozen meals are chef-crafted and dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's zero prep and zero mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup involved, and holy moly, do I need that right now. I also love that I can order as much or as little as I need by choosing my meals every week, and I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, restaurant-quality meals with no cooking required, and there are more than 60 add-ons, like pancakes and smoothies, to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Head to factormeals.com slash village50 and use code village50 to get 50% off. That's code village50 at factormeals.com slash village50 to get 50% off. 
Um, oh, so much. And I was a kindergarten teacher for many mm. years. And one of my, actually one of my uh, yoga training, kids yoga training teachers said at one point something about every, you know, quote unquote bad, although I don't like the word bad, behavior is an unmet need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was the same as sort of having that sticky note that's like, they're not trying to make you mad. They just, yeah. there's something going on, you know, they're trying, whatever. So yeah, I mean, I love that. Yeah, I needed it. And I still do. Yeah. I have like little mantras around my life here. It just helped me remember one of mine for my husband that often comes up is like, we are, we are on the same team. Like we are on the same, like we want the same things here. We're on the same team. Sometimes we're not playing like it. Right. But like we are on the same team is a reminder that helps me get back to like, all right, we can get back there. Um, might take some communication. That's amazing. What a wonderful (laughs) way to speak to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to speak to myself really about him, about us, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Words are so powerful. And so what we say to ourselves really matters, right? And one of the things in this book that's so huge is acceptance. It sounds like that's a really big part of your parenting journey. Can you share more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, first of all, there's nothing like having kids that sort of brings out your own (laughs) inner trauma that you have not dealt with that you sort of thought you'd shoved away, but it surprise here I am. Yeah. Hello, this, you didn't work on this. Uh, but yeah, you know, acceptance is huge. I I've learned that you cannot, you know, my, my children are not extensions of me. They are their own individual selves and I cannot place my, you know, fears, my uh, desires, my expectations of myself on on them. And I have to accept their journey. Now I'm there to support it. I'm there when they need, you know, help, guidance, advice, whatever it is. But I have learned that accepting and just listening and being present is way more powerful than trying to change and fix and do all the things. And, you know, your kids go through a million different things. I had somebody sit, tell me they they were waiting to have children because they wanted to do it when they were ready. And you hear that a lot. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm, you're really never going to be ready because you never know what their challenge is going to be, what their personality is going to be like, what they're going to struggle with. Um, you may pass on some special genetic, you know, issues, uh, but you you just don't know. And so you have to be ready to kind of accept it and not fight against it. And I have, you know, I did, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent successful at this all the time, but I have found in those moments where I can really accept, let go, listen those are the moments that are most supportive for the kids and most powerful for, for me and our relationship. A hundred percent. And it's so dang hard. I, I'm such a good problem solver. I feel like I definitely have the answer that would be the most helpful for you and you as in the general, you as in my child, as in my husband, as in whoever, right? Like I, and that part of me, surfaces a lot my problem solver part that just just this morning um 
we had the flu come through our house and then strep throat. My husband's been on two different antibiotics and still sick and it's not getting better. And he was, he woke up understandably still feeling, just feeling frustrated and mad that he's feeling sick still. And every day wakes up thinking maybe I'll feel better today. And I, this morning we're like going through the hustle bustle of the morning and he's like, he's carrying his anger and frustration. And that part of me that wants to fix was so present, right? Like I wanted to troubleshoot. I wanted to figure out what was going on. I wanted to take his anger and frustration away. And to be totally honest, not because I really care that much if he's angry or frustrated, but because it affects my household. Right, right. It affects the day-to-day. It affects his ability to be present with us and connect. And then my child feeds off of it. And it's a domino effect. And I like noticed this and I do not always notice it prior to opening my mouth, but I noticed it this time this morning. And I was like, yeah, it really sucks that now there's this energy in the house and that we're starting our day with this energy. And just acknowledging that for myself was like, okay. It like led to a part of the acceptance. Like I can allow this to be a little bit longer now. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, yeah, I always want to fix everything. Sometimes now that my kids are older and they can sort of, they know me well enough and they can articulate things well enough. They will say, you know, they'll say something that's they're concerned about or whatever. And they say, they'll say, you don't need to do anything about it. I just want to tell you. Um, but there is this sort of instinctive part that just wants to fix, take it away. And, and then the voice comes in. That's like, well, you should be able to do that because Mm -hmm. and you're the one who everyone's looking to, to, you know, you should be able to do it. You're the partner, you're the person. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's huge. There's a chapter in the book. I, my, one of my sons has, um, OCD. And so you know, it's been a lot of like, let's find the right doctors. Let's find it. Let's do this. We'll fix, we'll change, we'll whatever. And at a certain point I had to let that go and just accept that like, this is part of his journey and I could be here, but I don't have to fix everything. Right. Mm -hmm. This is like, I'm not going to fix everything. It's just, I've got to let that go. But there's, you know, there was that moment. I think I talk about when, when we were on the playground and he went through a period of time when he was little, where he only wore pajamas. And another kid was on the jungle gym and was like, how come you're wearing pajamas? And my first instinct was to defend and deflect and, you know, explain and blah. And I, I went so far as to respond for him. And, but in, you know, I fought my instinct to be like, why are you making, you know, this child was just asking, he wasn't making fun. There was no, but, you know, instead I just responded with a, well, how come you're wearing that t-shirt? And he said, oh, well, it's because I like it. And I was like, well, that's the same thing. And I thought, you know, that was great. I fixed it. I solved it, whatever. But he later came to me, even as a little one and was like, why didn't you let me just answer? Like I can Mm. answer myself, you know? So that, that fix it person um, is, is another, you know, another voice. And just the next time I was able to acknowledge that, right? Remember that. And so moving forward, I could change that. Yeah. It's so hard to notice it in the moment. It's so hard. And I, it resonates so much. 
Sage, my little guy, presently only wants to wear cozy slipper jammies. He calls them his like footy jammies. Uh, (laughs) Cozy slipper jammies. And um, yeah, I, 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 I was like, oh yeah, I can fast forward to like this on the playground. What I want in those moments, there's the, the part of me that has experienced embarrassment, that has experienced that discomfort of social interactions that don't go in an ideal way, thinks that if I can show up in those moments, I can save him from experiencing that, right? Like if I just swoop right. in and answer, he'll never have to experience that hard thing I've experienced. That's it. That's and that's sort of where that projection of your own stuff comes in, you know. And uh, you know, in the end, we can't protect them from and damn it, Susan. (laughs) I know, right? But we want them to have the so they have the resilience, you know, to to get through it. Um, Not that we want them to suffer in any way, shape, or form, but some of these experiences are are okay to have. We want them to have a range of emotions so they can get through that and realize that they don't have to get stuck on it, that everything sort of changes on it. It's so hard. And it's so hard, especially in the moment. You're just like, raw, you know. It's so hard. And, And just allowing, that's where the acceptance, I feel like for me, really comes in is is allowing people to truly be in a hard state. Like this morning, allowing my husband to have a hard morning, to be like, I'm going to be in a space of feeling mad and frustrated for a little bit. And it then, when I practice it with Zach, with my husband, with myself, then when it comes to Sage, it's easier for me, right? Then when I'm like, Sage is feeling mad about something, it gets easier for me to say like, he's allowed to feel mad without me fixing it, without me changing it. And just knowing like, yeah, this is a part of being human. Yeah. Is that he's gonna, sometimes being human means I'm sitting with you in your hard stuff. And sometimes being human means we're having a good time and being playful. And like both of those have to exist. And yes, I think that's a crappy part of acknowledging what it looks like to be human. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, you know, I I sort of didn't want to approach this as a, as a how to or you'll fix everything because you won't there, there are going to be these moments where those things exist, where the bad feelings exist, where the hard experiences exist. And that's where that sort of acceptance and letting go comes into play versus the fixing the how to the Mm -hmm. you must should kind of thing. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, 
you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Have you ever been like scrolling the internet and there's all these like tools for calming your child and how to regulate and whatever and you try them and your child just gets amped up or that doesn't work or you find yourself in these cycles where it's like epic meltdown, try to come back from it and you just feel like you're putting out fires all day long. If this is you, you aren't alone and we collaborated with an occupational therapist to create our sensory profile quiz. This is going to help you learn about what helps your child regulate, what's happening in their unique nervous system. We are all different and figuring out what you're sensitive to or what helps you regulate is the key for actually doing this work, for getting to a regulated state, for having tools for calming down, for having tools for regulation. Head on over to www.seedquiz.com to take the quiz for free. You can take it as many times as you like for as many humans as you'd like. And we will deliver results right to your inbox to get you kickstarted on this journey. Seedquiz.com. Yeah, I love that. One thing that comes up in our village a lot is the difference between being nice and being kind. Given the title of your book, Say One Kind Thing, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the distinction between those two. That's an interesting, yeah, idea, concept. I think, um, you know, we can we can be nice, we can be polite, but that doesn't mean we're being genuinely kind. I think kindness is more sort of understanding what's happening in the moment, having that presence versus just doing the thing that you know you're supposed to do in that moment. So, you know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, saying, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, then, you know, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> But no, but so, you know, you're saying the thing you're supposed to say, but being kind is, going over and having a conversation about it. Like, Hey, I saw that you felt this way. And then I felt this way. And kindness is sort of allowing another person's story to be involved in your story as well. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a distinction. I mean, nice. We can all be nice. It doesn't mean that we're kind. Totally. Kindness for me feels more authentic and genuine. Yeah. And 
I think it often like wades into the waters of empathy. Um, And yeah, nice as a like recovering people pleaser. Like I've said and done a lot of nice things when I actually wasn't coming from a place of kindness, but was doing them as a self-protective measure, right? As a coping mechanism to try and be liked or feel included or like make somebody just like stop paying attention to me. Like if I can just do this nice thing, then their eyes will be off me. Um, Yeah, it wasn't always or often from a place of genuine kindness. And yeah, like I, nice sort of is figuring out, okay, these are the social, you know, constructs mm-hmm. that we live in. And this is how you express being nice. Um, but if you're not coming from that place of kindness, that that's all it is, is just this sort of performative, okay, I'm being nice. I know that's the thing. But if you're coming from a place of kindness, yes, there is that empathy. There is that or attempt at empathy or, you know, some kind of trying to understand, work out, figure out um, that kind of thing. Yeah. When we're in this space where we're trying to say one kind thing to ourselves about ourselves and that other part pops up that is so very loud inside of me that's like, no, you're not worthy. Like, do better. You can handle this. You should be able to handle What is it? How do we navigate that? Yeah, I mean, that voice, that voice can be so loud <laughs> and so overpowering. And the, you know, kindness to yourself can feel like inauthentic because you've got this other louder commentator talking to you. <laughs> But I think it's just, uh, there's a bit of sort of acknowledging that that voice is there to try to protect you in a way. So it's not there, you know, I mean, it is telling you all these things that are not useful to you and that are not kind to you, but at its core, it's trying to protect you from humiliation, from embarrassment, from, you know, making the same mistakes again, from not doing the things that you should be doing, you know? So if you can almost say to that voice, like, I hear you, I hear you, I know where you're coming from, but this is actually what I'm going to say to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's very, again, all of these things are so hard to do in the moment, but if the more, you know, the more we practice, the more we, we respond that way, the, the sort of more it becomes a natural way of responding. So, you know, I definitely have that voice a lot and sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's my dad, sometimes Mm -hmm. somebody else, but I have learned to be able to say, all right, I hear you. And yeah, I feel like crap in this moment. And, you know, I get you, but mm, that's not really like, I know you're trying to protect me, but that's not really what I, what I'm going to say to myself right now. Even if it doesn't, again, feel authentic in the moment, it's just countering right there. It's sort of, you know, can shift and help you learn to, to reach for that sooner. Sure. I love that perspective and mindset that that part is trying to help you and for me that it helps me have compassion for that part right of like all right you want to make sure that I'm lovable right like you want to make sure one of the things for me growing up was I'm from a 
family of five kids, low-income family, and having needs was not how you showed or received love, right? Like being needy, being high maintenance. There's a part of me that would rather die than be high maintenance. Like it is the worst thing I could be. And so when uh, other parts show up and say like, you get to advocate for your needs. This comes up for me a lot in parenthood in terms of like sharing the mental load. And um, I just recently said to my husband, like, listen, I know everyone's been sick. I know you've been really sick and it feels like I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of our child. I'm taking care of our house. I'm taking care of everything. And you're only taking care of you. And that's starting to feel overwhelming and alone and lonely. And as I'm saying it, that other part of me is like, oh my God, you, right. you're not going to love you. Right? Like you're not going to be lovable. But I love that shift of like having compassion for that part that pops up and says, you're not going to be lovable. And just being able to validate like, yeah, in childhood, it, you weren't able to always advocate for your needs. It did feel like your love and worth was in jeopardy when you did. And right. it isn't here. This is a different relationship and you're an adult now and it isn't here. And for me, that is such a helpful reframe. So thank you for that gift. Uh, love it. Need no, it's it's true though, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, I got, I, I, I learned as I got older that the voices I was hearing from the people who were supposed to, you know, love me unconditionally um, were because they had so much fear that they were trying to prevent me from experiencing the same thing like we talked about. And so again, having having compassion for that voice also gave me sort of more compassion towards those people as well mm -hmm. um, and more of an understanding of where they're coming from. So, so powerful. Yeah, compassion's where it's at and it's so hard to access sometimes. <laughs> so hard. Um, so what about in those moments where you don't say one kind thing to yourself and you do allow that part of you to take over that isn't being kind to you. What does a repair with yourself look like after? And there are always going to be those moments, right? Yeah. And those moments and some, maybe you end up, you know, just going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're like, this day needs to be over and you go to bed. Um, but the nice thing is, is you can revisit, you know, maybe, you know, when I, when I, for example, when I was growing up and I'd have these sort of interactions with my dad, I was always waiting for the follow-up, mm. you know, the sorry or the this or whatever, the explanation. And that never came, but as your own self-caring person, you have that opportunity to talk to yourself the next day, the next hour, the next moment when you're feeling good, you know, you can bring attention to that um, and sort of think about that voice again, like, okay, it was loud and I just gave into it and I'm a human being and that's going to happen. You know, if, if that happened to my child, I would be more forgiving than I am to myself. So you kind of just have to let that happen, accept that that happened and then have that conversation with yourself. But you know what? I got up this morning and I'm trying again. And that's really amazing. Like I didn't give up 
or I understand that again, you were trying to, you know, prevent something from happening or protect me. And I allowed that to take over. Now I have the opportunity to try again or to move on or to understand that the next time that's what's happening. Yeah, we don't have to fix the past. No. Right. But my fixer part would love to. I, <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm right there with you. Yeah, like, but if I could just undo that. Right. Can I get a rewind. Can I rewind? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's so important because so many of us in parenthood, especially, but just as humans, I think carry so much guilt. It's not just the in the moment, what did we say or do? It's then even afterward, we're walking around with the guilt around it. And I, I, I recently, I had a hard morning with Sage. There was, I woke up not having slept well, I had a bunch going on for work and I had been solo parenting with him a bunch recently. And I went to bring him to childcare and found out that it was closed, that his provider was sick. And I just melted, right? Like I was like, I, I needed that. And I was depending on like, okay, I can hold it together. Right. I can be as present as possible. He'll get to childcare. I'll be able to have some time to reset. And I'm, I'm not a parent who thrives as a stay-at-home parent. Like I, I'm a better parent because I have childcare. And so it was just like, it, I felt like I was crumbling and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be the best parent I've ever been this morning. And that's okay. What can I take off my plate this morning to just like, make it as easy for myself as possible. And it was like, yeah, we're going to have like chicken nuggets. Like it's just going to be as easy of a morning and into nap time as possible for myself. And it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. I had to like give myself that gift. And at one point I like kind of lost it. And like, I'm not a big yeller, but I'll get like snappy and snippy and sarcastic and just rude and could just be a jerk. And I was just like being, I wasn't being kind. And then I also though, like didn't at all after that before nap, feel like I could genuinely apologize to him. Like I hadn't had the space for myself to come back and genuinely reconnect. And then was able to get tag team with my husband. He was doing the afternoon. And I was like, you know what? I, I like stepped away after nap. I calmed. I went, I did some work. I got what needed to be done and what I was excited to work on done. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to go and do more work, but can I just pop down? I just want to connect with him. And I popped in and I repaired. And then I went back to work and I truly didn't carry the guilt with me in the afternoon of like, yeah, it wasn't the best parent ever. Like I was like, all right, for me, letting go of that required doing my end of the bargain for repair. And then it was like, okay, I can move forward. But I think that so often we do carry that guilt. It's like we navigate the repair and then we're still beating ourselves up. And as I was like thinking about your work and your book, I was like, maybe the kind thing to do is to notice that guilt and say like, oh, you're trying to protect me and prevent this from happening again. And the kind thing I can do for myself here is say, I'm not going to take that guilt with me. I'm, I'm a good mom and I'm doing enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so powerful. And I think that's all of those things are so right. We do carry all this guilt and I, you know, I have it too. Things I wish I had done or said differently or things that I didn't get the opportunity to repair. Um, things I can, the one sort of gift of the kids getting a bit older is being able to then reflect and admit and talk about the things that, you know, they wished it happened or you wished it happened or have those conversations but that kind thing can absolutely be letting the guilt go because mm-hmm. you can't you can't rewind and how is that serving you to carry that around you know um how does that interfere with your current interactions with your child or other parents or people in your life so it's it's really hard but that one kind thing can absolutely be letting that go And again, understanding that it's there to try and prevent it from happening again and protect you. And so you can have that compassion, but you don't need to carry it. You know, I think uh, there's something in the book about how, uh, at least with, um, I noticed with the moms I've interacted with, but, you know, I'm I'm sure it happens with all parents, um, but anyone who, you know, identifies as a mom or all of that, but there's always this sort of like, confession we do these strange moments of confession and 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 it's very interesting like uh you know um oh I'm the worst mom I did blah 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 this morning like we just have to kind of get it off of our chest Mm -hmm. in order to move forward we don't want any advice we don't want you telling us oh well yeah that was really especially we don't want that um but we just need to like confess it so that we can move forward um and I think that's part of the letting go process. And I think that's why it's really important to have community, you know, other, other people to talk to and be able to, to not call yourself the worst parent, but to say, you know, oh, I had this challenge this morning and it's making me feel ABC and let it go. Um, But we do have the tendency to say like, oh, I did the worst thing or I made the worst mistake. And you know, if you can kind of reflect on that and be like, you know, really, you didn't make the worst mistake. Like your kid's fine right now. You're fine right now. Like everybody's okay. There's time for repair. There's time for conversation. But um, just like that, that act of sort of sharing what that burden is that you carry around can be really powerful also. So huge. Our, the emotion, it's the method that I created is called the collaborative emotion processing method. I don't think that we're meant to process emotions in isolation. Um, we're social beings and exactly what you were just saying that like, just sharing it, knowing that we're not alone in it, that there's a safe space that we can share that, right? Like the very notion that you can open your mouth and share with someone something that you aren't proud of means you feel safe enough to do that with them. You're not afraid of shame with that person. And that's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. And we all need one human we can break down to that we can share that stuff with. And I think for a lot of us, we didn't have that in our parents. And now we look to peers to say like, can you handle some of my hard stuff without me feeling shame? And we 
we do, we try it on for size. Mine is often, I'll be like, oh yeah, mom of the year award over here. And it's like the failure from the day or the mistake or whatever. Mine is the A plus for parenting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, oh, another mom of the year award <laughs> over here. Uh, and, but just like, and every time I share it and just getting it out, I mean, shame breeds in silence and in secrecy. And so I think you're absolutely right that it's, it is so powerful and we do need that community and it doesn't have to be in person. It even just a text of like, yeah, y'all, this just was my morning. Some way of just letting it out mm-hmm. um, and in a safe space. I mean, that's it's huge. And I think it's so important. And I, I feel like part of what I did with this book is in the hopes that, you know, I'm putting it out there in the hopes that it will be received in a safe space. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, whoever reads it will feel like, Oh, oh, I understand. I've been, I, you know, I've been there too. Um, But just having someone listen and they don't even have to say anything, just being able to know that they won't, you know, make fun of you or shame you or make you feel bad that they're just hearing it. And that's, that's huge. It's really important. Yeah. It is huge. What is, what's your hope for someone reading this book? What do you hope that they get from it? I I think my hope is that they can see that uh, being kind to yourself, changing the conversation in your, in your mind uh, and the conversations you have outwardly in your relationships is a journey, is a process, is not an exact science. There's no like miracle cure to make you always respond this way or that way. Um, but that, you know, here's here's a journey. Here's one journey. And maybe there are bits and pieces you see that you can relate to. And maybe there are bits and pieces you can take away to sort of help you on that same journey, you know, of being kinder to yourself. I always tell kids when I go to visit schools again, I, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I have the kids do some breathing and whatever to start, but I always have them do these sort of, I am affirmations. And, you know, it can be like, especially if they're older, like fifth, sixth grade, they're like, why am I saying this stuff out loud to myself? But, you know, it has to start young. And I, and I remind them that, um, if they don't feel good inside, if they're carrying all this negativity about themselves, it's so hard to be kind to anyone else. It's so hard. And even if you don't think it is, you know, it seeps out. And so we we need to practice. We need to practice until it becomes something that we sort of naturally gravitate towards. And you know, just as I didn't know I was allowed to do that, I want them to know they are allowed to do that. And that's what I want people to know when they read this book. They are allowed to, you are allowed to be nice to yourself. You are. And that doesn't mean, you know, go get a pedicure or take a bubble bath. That means, you know, letting your guilt go, uh, saying one nice thing to yourself, having compassion for that loud, critical voice. So all of those things, you know, accepting your sort of humanity humanness in the world and so that's that's what I hope it does I love that what a beautiful gift and it's you're right it's so key to empathy to compassion for others starts with us it's so much easier to do 
for others when we do it for ourselves. Yeah. Awesome. Susan, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for your I Am series as well. I love it so much. Um, and I'm just grateful for you. Where can people find you, connect with you, snag the book? So the book um, should be, is available anywhere books are sold. Your independent bookstores, Amazon, um, IndieBound, Bookshop. You can also go to my website, which is susanverde.com very simple. And you can email me there too. If you want to reach out and connect, I try to respond to all my emails um, and you'll find information about books and where to get them and Perfect. all of that good stuff. And you can also find me on Instagram at Susan Verde. Thank you, Susan. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much. You too. This was wonderful. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.